All right, everybody, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Rebunk. My name is Scott, coming at you live from Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we got another fantastic episode today. I, you know, I just keep keep hitting with the awesome, awesome episodes. And as you notice, we kind of got a, a theme going on here. I know if, several weeks ago I said, hey, I want to do a real focus show on, uh, you know, the terrain model, all that stuff. Um, and, and we've been, we've been doing it. I'm really excited about it. So, uh, my guest today is going to be, uh, elucidating us about several other topics and how that permeates into the other, uh, the, the other things we talk about, like, like the corruption of the medical field, um, how it's all predicated on bad science and all kinds of really good stuff. So, um, very, very excited for today, but real quick, just before we get too far into it, I just want to tell you hey guys how you can follow and support the show. So if you head over to rebunk.news, that's the main website there. Um, just a landing page that gives you links to everywhere to go. I don't haven't got to the point where I'm posting episodes on here yet, but this is kind of the, the main hub to get everywhere you need to go to follow the show, support the show, social media, all that. So, um, if you were on my newsletter before, I transferred the, all the newsletter over to Substack. So now um, you're going to be getting notifications and emails about show like upcoming shows. Um, anything going on with the show will be going through Substack. So here's the Substack page. If you're not subscribed, I want to encourage you to do that. You can either go to rebunk.substack.com or at rebunk.news. There's a little thing you can enter your email, subscribe for free. It's all good. Um, there's a subscription option there if you want to support the show. Um, but, uh, you know, just join for free just to stay up to date with the show more than anything. Um, also on the site, you'll see all the affiliates, including Richard Groves Autonomy, TRS Heavy Metal Detox, TruthTRS.com, uh, the Give, Send, Go, if you want to just leave a tip. And, of course, the Rebunked Shirt Shop, brought to you by Big Frog T-Shirts in Beaverton, Oregon. Big shout out to the crew over there um, doing amazing things. And I want to tell you, um, make sure you check out Ryan's show, The Independent Review. Um, it's a fantastic show where he does clips from all the other you know, independent media and it's really, really cool. So make sure you go check that out. That's, that's Ryan, the owner of big frog t-shirt. So when you buy a shirt here, you're not only supporting the show, but you're also supporting other content creators and Liberty minded, uh, you know, entrepreneurs. So, you know, that's a, that's a great option. So women's shirts are available, hats and stickers. Um, also back to the site, rebunk.news. You'll see any value for value donations. And then the social media t.me forward slash rebunk news is the telegram. That's probably the best place to follow the show. And, uh, you know, I'm always in there chatting. So if you have questions or if you want to hit me up, I'll be in there. So there you go. All right, guys. So um, without further ado, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in our guest here. So uh, let's see. Oh, oh, oh. All right. So Ant uh, our guest today is Anthony Samaroff. He's a psychotherapist and economics journalist who's previously authored the book Universal Basic Income For and Against. Anthony is a regular columnist at Terrain Science. And is in the process of writing an extensive critique of the pharmaceutical industry called Big Pharma. None dare call it quackery. That's freaking awesome. So, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. It's great to be on Rebunked. I've listened to Rebunked before. And uh, that's some pretty tasty intro music. You like you that? In. I was like, I was rocking here at home. Awesome, I've actually man. been to Nashville twice. Nice. Where the hell were you, Scott? Yeah, I know, man. Well, I just moved here last year. Oh, you so, did? Okay. Yeah, I was in it's Oregon just... before okay. this, which is like, a, okay. you know, I'm sure all the way over there, you probably heard about Portland and the insanity of like all the riots and the lockdowns and all that stuff. And so, yeah, Portland has yeah, a very yeah. unique flavor and smell to it, I must say. I was in Portland once as well, but it was only overnight. So yeah. I didn't get to explore much. I feel like I, I, I'm I'm sad if I missed Portland because I feel like it was once really cool. Oh, but it was amazing. By the sound of it, is it not like that anymore? Is it never going to be what it once was? 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's really sad, man. I lived there for about 10 years in like the mid 2000s and like 2004, like 2012 ish, something like that. And like, it was a beautiful city. It was so much fun. It was great. You know, back when it was okay to everybody could have different opinions and everything was weird and it was fun. And they kind of leaned into the fact that it was super weird and trendy. And like, I was there when like the whole hipster thing first started mm -hmm. happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like the first hipsters mm -hmm. that emerged on earth. I was like, okay, that's interesting. So that's, that was Portland. Yeah. And I, 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 I feel quite, I feel quite the same about Scotland. You know, yeah. I used to like the culture here, um, but uh, in many ways, I felt like they were very much taking the knee for the. They, they love authority, free wow. stuff, not freedom. Bra Do you know what? If they were to remake Braveheart today, instead of saying freedom, uh, William Wallace would shout out free stuff. <laughs> man that's hilarious which is sad man which is sad my roots my roots go back to scotland you know like mm -hmm. i i have like that's like the, the name armstrong is a scottish name that's you know? right you know yeah, right. And, and it's like i've read about the history of it i read a really thick book about just the history of like the 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 like england coming in and conquering and like driving them up you know north and then they would burn all the cities mm -hmm. behind them until the english like ran out of resources and they had to retreat and that just kept happening mm -hmm. over and over and i read the story like william wallace and mm -hmm. robert bruce and all these guys and so i have a lot of love for that land i've never mm. been i'd love to but it's just uh yeah yeah there's bad. there's still a lot to recommend it there's still a lot of cool play cool things to do and cool places to go and yeah. um, if you're ever around here you should definitely hook me up and i'll show you some cool cool stuff yeah. um but yeah i mean what i used to say was some people think that i'm a hipster <laughs> but actually actually i'm not i'm this other thing but you probably wouldn't have heard of it yeah, because it's kind of underground. Oh yeah, what is that's it? What the, you got a name for it? No, well, I mean, that's the joke because that's oh, yeah, the yeah. thing I had. It's kind of thing <laughs> a hipster would say. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, you wouldn't know about it. It's just like you Yeah, it's kind of like it's yeah. kind of new. It's kind of new. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll get it in a few years. You'll get it. In yeah, years. yeah. I'll filter down. I'll felt, you'll hear us on the radio sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, well, welcome to the show. I'm glad we finally connected. Nice. Um, big shout out to Patrick. Put us in touch. Uh, Patrick's my buddy. Well, I met him at, uh, you know, a freedom festival up in mm -hmm. the Pacific Northwest and we've stayed in touch and he moved to Maryland just a couple of states mm -hmm. I guess, a few over from where I'm at. He came and visited me in Nashville and I took him out downtown and showed him the town and he was like, Oh my God, I need to move here. So now he lives in Nashville too. Cool. We're buddies. We hang out all the time. So, and he's a great musician. He is. Yeah. He's an absolutely great musician. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. So yeah, that's, that, that was a cool connection. So, uh, and then he writes articles too. And so I think I actually wrote to you, I think I actually wrote to you before, um, my, uh, Patrick said that you have the, sh that, that you have a show. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, because I, I I messaged out quite a lot of people when I put out this free ebook that you can get from sevenpharmamyths.com, the number sevenpharmamyths.com. I emailed quite a lot of people to get in their show, but you know, I, okay. I was too I was too underground at the time for rebunked, but now I'm, I've obviously broken the mainstream, and now I'm a I might you know have, I, I might must have, just... have guest. Well, I apologize because I might have just missed it. I don't know how that would have happened. I don't but, know. Like, I, I wasn't offended. It was yeah. kind of like a I took the spray. I took the spray and pray approach. Yes, yeah, spray and pray. There you go, dude. That's what I do when I send out an interview request. I'm just like, please, 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 please. No, yes, yes, no, yes, 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 no. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. If but, you yeah. don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. That's exactly. And sometimes even when you do ask, you still don't get. Yeah, but but then you know, then you know, and then you try then again you know. six months down the road. You follow up. Yeah. Like I'm trying to get Alex Jones on the show. 
for mm-hmm. a while. You know what I mean? And I know his booking agent's email. So I send an email mm-hmm. every six months like, all right, is he you ready? Never you never, you know. never know. One of these days. One of these days. One of these Stretch days. goals. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I'm really curious. So you have a very interesting background as a psychotherapist, you know, economics journalist. You, you have your uh, irons and many fires. But mm-hmm. I'm really curious in particular around the uh, pharmaceutical mm-hmm. uh, component of it. Like how, how did you come about? Because obviously you had to go through, you know, school and I'm sure there was a uh-huh. lot of indoctrination with that. And like what was presented to you as what the medical industry is. And I'm sure yeah. you're supposed to recommend certain medications for certain things. But how yeah. is your awakening towards the corruption of the medical industry? Well, there's a long version and a short version. I guess um, I had various bad incidents with doctors that I thought were cool people until they weren't. Um, From, uh, in one case, when I said that I wanted to research a drug before taking it, Mm. the doctor went, okay then doctor. And I, naively thought that he'd be pleased that I cared <laughs> um uh, but actually he felt his authority undermined and then I, but I, um I, and I can see now I could understand why in America I guess because you've got um direct consumer advertising so doctors get pissed off when all these patients come in and say I saw the struggle on TV I want it mm. um and they think that's probably not good for you. And there's a much cheaper drug you could take. So there's multiple layers in which we're being assaulted. Like, for example, and it depends what country you're in. Like, for example, here, because we've got socialized medicine, you might, um, in certain circumstances, get undertreated or not get access to care because they're trying to save money. Whereas in America, you might be overtreated and uh, given too much care. In certain circumstances so everyone's getting screwed in different ways yeah. not 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 this to be honest the the systems have more in common than they have apart i have conditions that uh mainstream doctors could not do anything about and when i went and saw people that were out of the mainstream it's not guaranteed a lot of the time you, there's a lot of charlatans outside of the mainstream system but uh, i did find solutions and I, I will talk about some of them in the forthcoming book i don't want to cover ground that i've covered hundreds of times on other podcasts but i will say like i used to be intolerant to wheat and dairy and i've had macaroni cheese pizza and a cheese sandwich this week and uh, i don't get any symptoms so i've managed to reverse conditions that most people live with their whole life and that the mainstream medical system can't do anything for you if you have them. Uh, by the way, I don't recommend having all those things in one week. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, just because you can, yeah. Just because you can have a food doesn't mean it's favorable to have that food. But it's nice to have the option because I was traveling the world, going to Mexico, Costa Rica, USA, India, other places, and people would say, "Anthony, you're so lucky. You get to go to all of these places." But one thing that was in the back of my mind was like, yes, but yeah, but it's not fair because I can't just eat like everyone else and try the foods and just like, I can't, I'm such a foodie. I can't really experience it. But I learned a lot from being on a limited diet as well. I learned a lot from being on a detox diet and alkaline diet and all sorts of different things we've experimented with. So it's, it's not necessarily bad in the end. There's always something to learn from. But um, so I got good results from non-mainstream 
treatments. And when COVID hit, you know, I was a libertarian theorist. I was, I was writing all sorts of stuff about philosophy, politics, economics. And I didn't, and I'd, I'd already written quite a lot about the economics of healthcare, but something about the way that that regime went on forever and ever and ever made me think there was nothing more important than I could be writing about than this, because I've got a particular set of skills and a particular set of experiences. So a lot of the people in the terrain world are not, um, they're not, they don't, they don't know economics. And a lot of the people in the libertarian world don't actually understand how um, unscientific what passes for medicine is. They think, oh, maybe the FDA is just over-regulating and maybe this, and, you know, they've got such a truncated understanding of what's going on. So, and then there's people who write about bad science and medicine, but there's gaps in their knowledge that I, so I felt like, plus, you know, my style, if anyone reads the way that I write, I was a theater critic for 10 years or more. Most people who write about economics and stuff like that are not um, known for their chatty, personable, <laughs> st accessible style. So I'm bringing in the ability to write about these topics the same way that someone would write a theatre review in a chatty, conversational, jocular, friendly uh, style with, with jokes. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So I, I was trying to use what God has given me to the maximum benefit. And right now I can't see any better use of my talents, however limited, than, than... because right, here's another good reason, right? America spends $4 trillion a year on healthcare. If they had a healthcare system comparable to Singapore, you might be able to, and made other changes that I suggest, you might be able to cut that down to $1 trillion, right? Singapore has a similar GDP to America, and they spend a quarter of what America pay, spends per head on healthcare. So that's $3 trillion. That's saving enough money to fix everything else, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if we if we fixed healthcare, we'd, we would fix everything else. So that's why I'm out here talking about this. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, that, took me quite, that took me quite a while to put together. <laughs> no, that was great. That's great. And, you know, I've never even thought of it in the context of like the economics behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, obviously we think of it in terms of like, we know that big pharma has, is, is, is all driven by money, profit, you know, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. growth and all that stuff. But, uh, but the idea that, um, well, well, that, that also goes to the fact that the reason why I'm so passionate about this topic um about like, you know, getting, getting this information out there around like the terrain model in particular mm. is that, you know, if, if this were to be like mass adopted, if this were to be something that people were to completely uh, fundamentally understand, then pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry in and of itself would be diminished. Like their, their, their power would be removed basically. Like people mm -hmm. would be able to realize that it's up to us to take care of our health and that, you know, mm -hmm. our body. And I just, you know, I just had a conversation with uh, Don Lester and David Parker. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. I just had them on Wednesday. And uh, mm -hmm. some of the points they made were just so powerful. Like, like one of the idea that the body doesn't attack itself, you know, like all yes, the auto, autoimmune conditions. It's like, these are still external factors that are contributing to it. And so, you know, I think there's a really good overlap in what, what you're covering here. 
uh-huh. around the, the the bad science, around the, the mm-hmm. economic aspect of it. it, just just chipping away at the power that these pharmaceutical companies have to begin with, you know? Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, go on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna see what your thoughts were on that. I mean, it's uh, because because like just just the mass adoption, like like we're we're in this fight. And, uh, you know, I still fully don't understand it. And that's why I'm looking forward to having these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the, the, the pseudoscience around like virus isolation and, and mm-hmm. just the, the, that whole process is just, you know, maybe that'd be a good place to start because, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked, I had Tom Cowan on recently. He did mm-hmm. his spiel. Oh, he, where he, yeah, he's great. He, he's great. He did the spiel about, you know, the monkey kidney cell and the antibiotics mm-hmm. and so, so we've discussed like the process, but, um, what, what would be your take around the bad science related to virology in general? Okay, well, I don't cover the um, claim that virology is that viruses don't exist in okay. my book. And the reason why is not that I'm not open to that. Uh, in fact, I find Tom Cowan quite convincing. Yeah. My role is to go to mainstream sources and demonstrate that even if you look at what the CDC, the AMA, the NIH, the and all of those organizations admit, that's bad enough to debunk pharmaceutical medicine. Mm. So if something is not admitted by a mainstream source to the mainstream, not entirely, but for the main part, I don't, um, don't, I don't, I'm not, that's not what I'm doing, right? I'm going, look, we've been told that pharmaceutical science has added 30 years to our life. But if you actually go to what the CDC say, they say 25%, 25 years of the gain in our lifespan has been due to cleaner water, better sanitary conditions, sewers, refrigeration, nothing to do with medicine at all. And I say, if you go to um, conspiracy theorists and non-mainstream sources, you might find that the truth is even worse than that. Mm-hmm. However, what the official sources say is bad enough, right? Mm-hmm. Let me bring something up for you here, yeah, which course. I really enjoy, um, which I really enjoy beating on. And I'll come back to the virology in a minute. Cool. Um, so, yeah, so the American Academy of Pediatrics, 2000. Vaccination does not account for the impressive declines in mortality witnessed in the 20th century. Okay, nearly 90% of the decline in infectious disease mortality amongst US children occurred before 1940. 1940 is long before most biotics and vaccines were invented to help account for the 90% decline in infectious diseases. Okay, so that's what I'm going for. Now, you can come to me and prove to me that a virus doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm willing to admit no one has shown me the, uh, the evidence to my understanding that a virus doesn't exist. But even if it does exist, you've got the American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC admitting that it wasn't vaccines that led to the eradication of them. So that is enough for you to, to, for you to tell your neighbour and I and I and I um, and I catalog all of this. You know, tuberculosis has existed um, long into to history. If you believe it exists, that's what sure. we claim. 
And incidents of that had already plummeted by 1945. And that was before streptomycin, the antibiotic, which is meant to have stamped it out, was even invented. So when we say terrain theories, sorry, terrain theory, there's actually a bunch of interrelated terrain theories. One is... um, Ranging from viruses, pathogens don't even exist. Some people even go and say that mold and fungus is not harmful to you. Personally, I'm not convinced of that. I I could be convinced of it. I'm open-minded to it. Mm -hmm. But based on what I've seen, that's not how it seems to work. We were told long before people started saying that viruses didn't exist on the internet that you do not just catch the flu. You invite these microorganisms into your body by what you eat, by eating the wrong food, by by um, having chemicals in your body that shouldn't be there. If you've got parasites, well, I mean, it's because you've got something for the parasites to feed on. So I used to have um, candida and things like that, and I starved them off, and 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 I don't have I don't have these infections anymore. But I never I never came to the point where I said. Well, candida is just not harmful for you. It's just a side effect. I said your own habits, your own bad behavior created a terrain that invited the candida in. Now someone's going to come along and tell me the next terrain theory, which they could convince me of, um, which is even the candida serves. Well, I mean, it does serve a function. It's obviously eating your bad food. I was just of the impression that once those microorganisms get into you, they start. am I allowed to... Yeah, go. You can say whatever you want. I I was under the impression that once these microorganisms get into you, they start shitting and pissing inside Mm -hmm. your body, and then your condition gets worse because the bacteria shit and piss um, attracts fungus, and the fungus and the mold feeds off the bacteria shit and piss, and then they start breeding, and then they start shitting and pissing, and that's you on your way out. That is the, the body decomposing before you even die, and those microorganisms are there to take you off to the under, you know, to the Grim Reaper. Mm. They're doing their job. They're there to take you back into the earth so that you can become plant food, right? Mm-hmm. But it's based on your own bad habits. It's not because you just simply caught, it's not random, mm-hmm. you know? One guy comes into the one guy comes into the elevator with mononucleosis and they sneeze. Two people in the elevator get mononucleosis. The other two don't. Why? It's the terrain. It's the it's the condition of the terrain on exposure to the potential pathogen. Um, were you dehydrated? Um, were, you know, um, were you were you overworked? Were you weak? Were you tired? Were you stressed? Did you eat well? Did have you been eating poorly for decades? All of these things, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that that was the conclusion that I had come to, um, even before the the no virus thing. Which, by the way, as I say, I'm completely open minded to, and that I think Tom Cowan's very convincing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, so what what is some of the the other bad science that you've uncovered or that you're focusing oh, yeah. on? Okay, so that that's the thing. So we're talking about. Um, this is one of the things that I'm really loving to cover because awesome. the, the the main thing that they're they're always saying, oh, uh, mainstream medicine is the only scientific medicine, or they'll say 
you know what you know what uh alternative medicine that's been proven is called medicine <laughs> and they and they think they're so fucking funny and they don't know what the fuck they're, sorry i know you got no oh, you got right. do it let loose Here's just a bunch of things I can disprove that right away, right? First okay. of all, doctors are not allowed to prescribe any remedies except for pharmaceuticals and surgery, even if they're proven to work in double-blinded peer-reviewed studies, wow. right? So even if you've got a herbal medicine that's proven, they're not allowed to prescribe it. So wow. therefore, what are you talking about? Secondly, unless something is toxic, it can't even be classed as a pharmaceutical medicine and put through the FDA regulatory process for drugs. So if it's not toxic, it's not a, it's not considered to be a medicine. It's a nutrient or something okay, like that. Okay, so it doesn't need to go through the same like criteria. It would of, have like, to go through a placebo trials yeah. and all that stuff, right? It would have no. to go through a different. Yeah. set of protocols if it wasn't toxic that's such an interesting parent i've never even thought of it that way yeah the only drugs that go through these trials are ones that are inherently toxic because they need to test the toxicity of it okay wow. but there are stacks and stacks of studies showing the efficaciousness yeah. of nutrient therapies Absolutely. for reversing disease wow. so but they're not going to be in the doctor's computer yeah. when he goes and tries to treat your condition. So even if the nutrient therapy works, it's not classed as a medicine. Whoa, that's wild. Yeah, right. that's and crazy. I've got a yeah. couple more. Yeah, please. Right. So half of pharmaceuticals are made of plant extracts. And then the people from the drug company go to conferences and say herbal medicine is bullshit it doesn't work well then why the fuck are you going to the jungle and getting the herb taking the active ingredient out of it taking it to the lab fucking around with it and then patenting the molecule mm -hmm. if herbal medicines doesn't work why are you using them to create statins or yeah. any of the other medications that you use herbs to create and none of this is considered medicine, even though, even if it's proven in double-blind placebo studies to work, it's not yeah. considered medicine. So next time someone says, do you know what we call an alternative medicine that's been proven to work? Medicine, tell them you're fucking ignorant and you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Because Anthony Samroff says so, and he yes. knows more than you. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> putting, aside, putting aside all that stuff, when you look at what drug companies do in order to make their trials seem, the, the drugs that they trial seem more effective than they are, and how often they get away with it, you lose all semblance of pretension that mainstream medicine is scientific. A lot of the time, they don't need to show all of their data to the regulator. And a lot of the time, no one even sees all of the data until the company's sued because someone's been harmed or lots of people have been harmed. So what happens is the, the drug company gives their reports of the data to the regulator and to the journal. The drug gets approved, then it starts hurting people. At some point, 10 or 20 years later, the drug company gets sued then the judge 
orders the drug company to open their books and show the courts everything. And then some experts go through their documents and go, well, here's where the drug company lied. And then they get sued. But let's say they might have already made a billion dollars for the drug and the courts sue them for $250 billion. So it's sorry, $250 million. And it's only a quarter. What they got sued is only a quarter of what they made on the drug. Yeah. And this stuff happens all the fucking time. Yeah, we've seen that. I've seen cases of that all the time. And it's like there's even, I mean, it goes back to the the, the famous mm-hmm. unavoidably unsafe uh, yeah, quote yeah, with, right. with like the whole That's vaccine thing back quote. in the 1980s where like in, in, in Congress, you know, they're like, why don't you just make the vaccine safer? And they're like, well, they're unavoidably unsafe. Yeah, I mean, they are, okay? Because that's what happens when you inject a toxin directly into the bloodstream. The body is not stupid. It evolved in nature and it's got certain purging mechanisms to stop itself from being harmed by toxins. So if you put them in through your mouth, you might cough, you might get the shits, you might um, have to go to the bathroom and pee, um, you might sneeze if it goes up your nose. You've got all of these purging mechanisms. How does the blood purge? The blood cannot purge, right? That's why if you get bitten by a snake and it injects you with venom, you die. But if you take exactly the same venom and drink it, your stomach acid neutralizes it. So you have these ignorant people going, well, there's more mercury in a tuna steak than there ever was in a vaccine. Okay, but when you eat a tuna steak, it goes through your mouth. Technically, the alimentary canal is the outside of your body in a weird way. In mm. the same way that if you've got a cave going through a mountain, the cave is not the mountain, right? The cave is yeah. like a hollowing out of the mountain. The cave is on the outside of the mountain. So um, the, the so when they say that tiny, when the FDA say this tiny bit of um, al- aluminum is safe, that's safe to ingest through the mouth. It's not necessarily safe to to inject directly into the veins. But I'm not saying that's necessarily harmful. I'm saying, why don't you do the study? Okay, there's 800,000 unvaccinated Americans. So if the CDC wants to prove to us that vaccines are safe and effective, why don't you take 50,000 unvaccinated Americans and 50,000 vaccinated Americans Age adjust the results and see who has more chronic illness. You've got all the test subjects there. It wouldn't be hard to do. You could shut us up. They'll never do the study because they're afraid of what they might find out. Are you familiar with the uh, Dr. Paul Thomas study? Uh, I've been on Paul Thomas. Okay, you know, you know, Dr. Paul Thomas. Yeah, 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 Dr. Paul Thomas. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. Um, He's a hero as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. You Um, guys can all find this if you want the title of the, the, well, it's a retracted study, but it doesn't necessarily negate the um the, the value of what's in it but it's just called relative incidence of office visits and cumulative rates so mm-hmm. basically just uh he's a pediatrician in portland oregon i've, I've met him and hung out with him too oh, he, that's spoke so cool, at a, he spoke at a little festival we did outside of portland right in the middle of 2021 <clears throat> and this is the one that got everybody up in a bunch just the idea mm-hmm. that um so basically what he did is, is in his pediatric clinic he sees unvaccinated children and track the number of office visits um just that that's it that was the only data set is the number of office visits for unvaccinated kids and vaccinated kids and if you see in almost every condition the vaccinated kids were like up to like 10 times more office visits more autoimmune or whatever you want to call it like all of these issues were off the charts more in every single case for vaccinated children 
itself. Yes, and it's not the only kind of stu- it's not the only study of its kind. There's also sure. the the Anthony Mawson study, but if you like the sound of Anthony Samroff, I spoke about quite different things on Dr. Paul Thomas' show. Cool. And and he explains the reason why his study was retracted. And it wasn't for any reason where they actually disprove totally. the results of the study. They never disprove the results of the study. But this is what tends to happen when these studies come out. The industry will put pressure on the, the journal, journal. Yeah. and the journal will cave under pressure. Mm-hmm. It's uh, pretty standard. But even when you go to the mainstream journals, you know, I don't know how much people know about the Vioxx scandal, but up until the Mm -hmm. opiate epidemic, it was one of the biggest drug scandals. The journal, um, now now you're asking me, I need to remember so much stuff off by heart. (laughs) Uh, I think it was the uh, American... Anyway, one of the the journals that... um, published an article recommending Vox. they were told on a radio phone and show um, some uh, a doctor phoned in and told them that the data did not support their conclusions and they and that it was more dangerous and the, and, and the representative from the journal um, the New England Medical Journal said we are not in the, we can't be in the business of policing every statement we put out. But that journal was actually making money from reselling prints of the favorable article to the manufacturer of Vox mm. Merck. Maybe they made seven hundred thousand dollars. So if you publish favorable articles, you can sell reprints of those articles back to the manufacturer. The manufacturer sends them out to doctors to evangelize them on behalf of the drug. And, you know, and we're meant to think that all of this is an objective process mm-hmm. when there's so many conflicts of interest. Many, what the, what the company can do is finance lots of studies and just only register the ones that, are, that produce favorable results. Yeah. Um, and, 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 that, and, that, and that's one of the big problems that we have, which is missing data. Um, and, and they're very effective. There's so many other tips and tricks that they can use. Um, you know, they can treat the side effects in patients and then claim the rate of side effects. These are things they've been caught doing, okay? Mm-hmm. You can, and also, look, who gets taken from a, for a drug trial? It's usually reasonably young healthy people if people have a bunch of comorbidities they're going to go it's an ethical concern putting you on a new drug you're going to you you know we don't want to risk your life but in the real world people who take drugs they've got diabetes or they don't exercise enough or they smoke or they drink too much do you know what i mean so you're, you're you're taking relatively healthy people and putting them on drugs and then you're giving those drugs to old people or to children or to people who have comorbidities and they're not going to perform as well on the drug as the people who actually are in the the, the clinical trials um, and the, so so there's so many and then, and then they, they do all these things like uh, like the Right, supposing you've got a drug for diabetes, you say, oh, wow, you know, 
when we put people on these drugs, over a 10-year period, 20% less people died of diabetes. But they don't mention that just as many people died at the same age of a stroke or a heart attack. And then that's even worse if the people on the drug had bad side effects mm. and so their quality of life was reduced by the drug. So there's the reduction of mortality on a drug and then there's all-cause mortality. And without a presentation of all-cause mortality... And the, the, the problem is not that these... The pharmaceutical companies play these dirty tricks. They do, right? But we're supposed to have checks and balances. There's supposed to be a referee that says, and these referees are meant to be the FDA, mm -hmm. the medical journals, the scientific community, the universities, academics, whatever. There's meant to be so many checks and balances. The problem is all of the money comes from pharma. Mm -hmm. Continuing medication. I had a girlfriend in, in, in Mexico City that was a doctor. She was like, I never go to conferences that aren't paid by pharma for mm -hmm. for continuing medical education. Why would I? Why would I go? Why would I buy a flight and buy a ticket to a conference? Do you know what I mean? In my yeah. own pocket. Like, why would I? And she's right. Why would they? So, so all of the continuing medication, medical education, I call it continuing medical indoctrination. Absolutely, is, is paid by pharma. The doctors know this and they think, well, I'm not stupid, right? I, I, I know that I'm being propagandized. So the fact that I know I'm being propagandized will act as a counterbalance to the fact that I'm being propagandized and I'll just continue to prescribe the drugs that I think are best. And they're being honest. But when you actually look at the studies, when you look at the data, it demonstrates if you go to a conference that's funded by Pfizer, when you come to prescribe, you're more likely to prescribe the drugs that were recommended to you at that conference than sure. comparable drugs from competitors. So none of this stuff, zero, none of it, drug reps, none of it contributes anything to improving the quality of um, healthcare that people receive or the amount of information that doctors and patients have. If, if it was all abolished tomorrow, people would get better care. And that's a very radical thing to say. I'm sorry for talking so long, but just, that let, was me great. Finish, just allow me to finish this point, because that is exactly the kind of thing that I would not, that I would be extremely inhibited in saying and even never say. But I'm willing to say it because someone said it before me. Um, that knows more than I do about this stuff. And that's Ben Goldacre, the author of Bad Pharma. I recommend you read my book rather than his, not because his book isn't excellent, but just because mine's more of a distillation and more easy easy to read and, will, and goes broader. Okay, unless you're really interested, then read them both. Um, because I would have been the first one to, I'm Mr. Moderate, I said, I would say, well, maybe, you know, pharma reps do give doctors a little bit of good education and stuff like that. They do tell them about what's going on and stuff like that. But he looked at all of that and he went, look, the patients want the best treatment with the least side effects. That's it, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the patient wants, the best treatment with the least side effects. 
if that treatment doesn't work for me because I'm allergic to it or because because I, I can't take it with this medication, then give me the second best. If for whatever reason I can't get the second best, then give me the third best, right? None of this, the medical conferences, the schmoozing with drug reps, the pharmaceutical takeover of the universities, the money coming from advertising for medical journals, the money coming from reprints of articles for medical journals, the FDA taking 50% of their drug approval budget from the pharmaceutical industry. None of this contributes to the goal of patients getting the best treatment with the least side effects. None of that. It only contributes to um, doctors being biased towards whichever drug company has propagandized them the most effectively, whereas we could be taking that money to run head-to-head -head trials on drugs, or better still, head-to-head -head trials on a drug versus a naturopathic protocol. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. So what about, uh, so in, in relation to, you know, I know I'd, I've heard a lot of like commentary around the idea that a lot of like the science is based off of other science that's based off of other science that's flawed to begin with, right? So they come up with a false premise that's then built out. And so we can even take that all the way back to like Louis Pasteur and Antoine mm -hmm. Bichamp, you know, we can, we can go all the way back to there and say, you know, actually from the very get go back in, you know, almost 200 years ago, the theories that were proposed kind of diverged and what was adopted by the mainstream turned into what it is today. Whereas, you know, Bichamp's model is much more true to reality. Like what, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah. So I, this is a problem we have. If we started a university to teach physics in Aristotle's day, we would say, well, everything tends towards a state of rest and, and, you know, if you were on YouTube saying that this theory is nonsense and actually we have this thing called gravity, which pulls things towards things that have bigger mass than them, you would be treated the way that someone like Tom Cowan, a genius like Tom Cowan or Andy Kaufman are treated. Just because you had the audacity to go on YouTube and say, wait, I mean, there's this guy in Newton that we've completely we've completely ignored who had a theory of gravity. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> only crazy, only crazy weirdos believe in Newton. Now, someone might pick apart my analogy and say, we've not, you know, conclusively proven gravity. It's just an example. I wouldn't get too wrapped up in the example. Mm -hmm. The fact is, if you, you will not, like, for example, the Big Bang. Yeah, mm -hmm. A lot of people are saying that the evidence for that is tenuous. And, you know, the electric universe theory is is more accurate i don't know but the thing is if you don't believe in the dogmas of the system you will never get a phd mm -hmm. so you'll never get into a journal you have to already agree with them to even get into physics and you have to already agree with them to get into medicine so when someone says trust the experts who the friggin thing do you count as experts I'm an expert. I ha I mean, I didn't mean to become one, but I just am. And the way I know I the way I know I am is because sometimes I have doctors and other people who are working in this field email me and message me on WhatsApp to ask me questions about about pharmaceutical science or about naturopathy. 
right? But I didn't go to university to study any of this stuff. I didn't even go to university to study economics, but I'm good enough at economics that when I wrote a book about it, someone who actually does have a PhD in economics wrote the foreword to it and, mm. you know, read the book and said that my economic reasoning was good. Does that mean I'm an expert in economics? I don't know. You decide. I consult with mainstream doctors. They tell me things. I tell them things and they don't know. And they know tons of stuff about anatomy and um, various mechanisms in the body that I don't know about. So what I would say is I try to listen to everyone mm -hmm. and see the underlying reason behind what they're saying. Until you understand the precepts of the paradigm, you can't, um, you can't understand the claims that make up that paradigm. If you think that everything must um, tend towards a state of rest, then you have the wrong interpretation of why wood, you know, when smoke goes up, when you burn wood, oh, that's air element. Air element is at a, at a state of rest in the sky. That's why smoke goes up. Do you know what I mean? Now, someone might say something that sounds completely ridiculous to you or, you know, or someone might say something to someone that believes that that sounds completely ridiculous to them, but it's only because they don't understand the theory of gravity, whether it's true or not. Okay. Some mm -hmm. flat earthers are going to tell me that it's debunked. Okay. Sure. Let's assume it's true for the sake of argument. The thing is, if you are a flat earther and you don't believe in the theory of gravity, anything I say still makes sense to you. Because even if you reject the theory of gravity, you still understand it. The problem that we're finding is people don't even want to understand the precepts of our theory before they judge the claims we're making. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes you need to say to someone, right, let me make you aware of something. Like, we're, like to me, it's ridiculous. Let's say when uh, if someone comes on a train and they take a, a antibacterial wipe and they wipe down the hand mm -hmm. rest. And I used to think that was ridiculous 10 or 15 years ago. But it's like, I don't believe that germs cause disease. I yeah. believe that germs are the secondary cause of disease, not the primary cause of disease. If anything, I think you're killing off your good bacteria yeah. and you're making me breathe in a chemical called an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. Anti means against, bio means life. So you're killing my good bacteria. I don't want you. I don't want antibacterial soap because when I go into the bathroom and you give me this liquid, you're killing all the good germs on my hands. I don't want them to die. Mm -hmm. So from your paradigm, you're like, oh, I don't want, I don't want that old fashioned soap made of um, pig fat or whatever the hell. They do like whatever, any type of fat. I'm a vegetarian personally, but you know, uh, so so I'd rather it wasn't pig fat. But I want solid soap. I want a bar of soap to wash my hands with. It's just going to remove the dirt and leave my hands feeling clean. Whenever I use these liquid soaps, I feel the I feel they go through my entire hand. Mm. Like I feel like oh, I don't want that. I yeah. want a surface cleaner. They don't understand that. They think it's unhygienic to share soap. I think what they're spraying me with is killing me, right? Yeah. 
It just sure. depends on the underlying premises of your system. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. That's great. Um, so what about some solutions? Like let's, let's, we, as we kind of like get, get towards the end here, I know that in your book that you're writing, you know, you're, you're working on solutions. And, and for me, a lot of these conversations, whether it's about uh, COVID or just freedom, liberty in general, you know, I, I feel like we, we can't fix, like there's nothing mm -hmm. like you or me as individuals can do to like fix the system. Right. There's nothing mm -hmm. that I can go out and do today to fix the, the medical problem here in the United States. Right. So, then I have to take it on all myself. I have to like do what I can do for in my own right. spirit, affect what I can control. And I have absolute control over what I eat, uh, the chemicals I have in my home or whatever I surround myself with the laundry detergent I use. Like these are all actual right. things that I can do to myself to help fix myself, you know? That's so right. I can't, I can't, I can't topple the system. I can't do anything like that. You know what I mean? As much as I'd love to, and mm -hmm. I, I can even get the whole like millions of people together and we can do whatever, but it's like, still, that's not going to ba basically fundamentally change the overall uh, understanding of these topics. And so all I can do is fix what I can control, which is what I eat, uh, you know, exercise, all that stuff. So what would be some of your calls to action or things that you would suggest that people can do in their lives that would, bring them closer to what they would see as a solution. Great. Well, first go to sevenpharmamyths.com, uh, the number seven, then pharma as in big pharma, mm -hmm. and then myths um, as in Roman or Greek mythology. Yeah. And, and there's and, an episode, there's a link to that in the description, you guys. So if you scroll down, there'll be, an, there'll, there'll be a link to that. So. Yeah. I've got a little booklet there. It's free, but you also have the option to send me some shekels through Stripe when you when using your card when you download it and if you can afford it yeah if you send me 10 or 20 bucks it makes a tremendous difference because i'm not getting paid to do this stuff and i'm not a pharma rep i don't get a twenty thousand dollar expense account but you know i'm putting this all of this stuff out for free so don't think oh it's just five or ten bucks it doesn't make a difference it really 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 does so whatever it is i'd be really happy to accept it I talk about some solutions in the ebook, and it'll also give you the sort of panoramic view um, of a brief distillation of all these topics. Enough stuff that you can copy and paste it and send it to your friends if they annoy you. I would say, in order to understand how to reverse physical illness, first you have to understand what the body is, okay? What you have here is a bunch of flowing tubes, right? Mm -hmm. You've got veins, you've got arteries, you've got um, your alimentary canal, you've got nerves, you've got lungs, capillaries, all of your, the liver's a tube, the stomach's a tube, the bladder's a tube, and so on, right? You are made of a bunch of tubes. So long as the tubes are flowing, air comes in, carbon dioxide goes out then you can take your cellular waste out through your nose okay your your blood will take nutrients to your cells and it will take waste products away from your cells and you can get them out of the body when these tubes start to get um what do you call it? congested when they start to get um blocked up then you've got a problem. If you have a heart attack or a stroke, you had a blood clot, you can get any blood to the affected organ. You had tubes in trouble, boom. 
arterial plaque. Okay, so um, and the, and the, the, and and if you've got the, if you've got constipation, you get a hernia. What happened? Your alimentary canal was blocked. Okay, that means you're reabsorbing your own waste. If you've got hard, sticky stuff in your colon or in your large intestine, your small intestine, it could have been there for weeks, months, years. Lord knows, you're reabsorbing poison. You're not able to properly admit nutrients through the walls of the alimentary canal. You're asking for trouble. This is why fasting is popular at the moment. People are rediscovering. If you give the body a rest, it can clear out its tubes. Drink lots of water, four to six liters a day. That means you get the juicer. You get two packets of organic celery. You put them through the juicer. You drink it in the morning. Washes all the crap out of your bowels. Lots of nice enzymes in there. Um, keeps you regular. Um, these kinds of things go way beyond just the nutrients and things. You're keeping your tubes in good condition. So we're exposed to so many environmental toxins, the body doesn't know what to do with them and it has to store them somewhere. I've got more solutions to that. In fact, I would like to run detox retreats. Cool. So if anyone, if that's the kind of thing that anyone's interested in, send me an email and I'll put you on the list of people who are interested. Then I can teach because, you know, we have uh, all sorts of laws. I don't want people to come after me for um, practicing medicine without a license, but we can put you on juices. You can fast for some of it if you want. And I can show you the different processes from, and from yoga, from India for clearing out the system or, you know, the castor oil pack on your liver, this, that, and the other. And you can do it over the course of a week or 10 days. You start to clean out your body. I got rid of um, skin conditions and eventually was able to tolerate foods that I did I wasn't able to eat in the past. So that's, that's the kinds of things. Almost, there's no such thing, I was told by a naturopath, as an incurable condition. Mm -hmm. There's just incurable people and, mm -hmm. and people are incurable either because they've neglected it and they've gone too far down the road of that condition um, or because they're not willing to change whatever habits or adopt whatever habits are necessary in order to, um, to reverse uh, their symptoms. But a lot of what the doctors think are diseases are not diseases. They're symptoms of the body trying to clean itself. Yeah. If you get congested up here, that's your tube. Your tubes are in trouble. Your body's going, yeah. I need this out of me. Then you take an antihistamine. You take something to stop the self-cleaning process when really you should be in bed fasting, drinking half a liter of wa water every hour. And felt yeah to help your body clear out everything that it doesn't need. Wow, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, could we just talk maybe? So, the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned that is the idea that like you know some of these processes, like how does cancer fit into all this, right? Because especially now when we're seeing this explosion of I've heard a term just turbo cancer, right, with mm -hmm. the shot with mm -hmm. the new COVID shots and everything. Um, how does that fit in? And like, what what would be like some thoughts around alternatives to that? Yeah. Well, I, I don't like to make claims that I can't substantiate. So yeah. what I will say is I have been told, you know, yeah. when I know something, I say I know it. And when 
I suspect something that's true. I say, I've been told. Sure. Cancer is a system-wide disease process. Your tumor is not your cancer. That's like the tip of the iceberg. Some people say a tumor site is a landfill where the body takes all its crap to store for when you can detox properly. First thing the doctor does comes with a biopsy needle and pokes a hole in the tumor. That's the worst thing you can do under this hypothesis because what you've just done is you've just popped open the landfill site and now all the garbage is flowing into Mm. the river, EI, the river is the blood, and the trees. The trees are the cells, the soil. So that's not what you want to do. Um, The tumour is uh, the most conspicuous um, symptom of the cancer. And I've got a whole chapter coming up. In fact, if you go to my sub stack, I put some of I put some of it up there. Um, oh, what's what's your Substack? I did, I need to add that to the notes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. It's Substack dot psychosocial psychosocial dot Substack dot com. I've got a, I've got an article on there called Cancer Treatments. Half of it's up there, half of it's behind a paywall. So for okay. five buck for five bucks a month, you, or even your your trial, you can get the whole thing because it took me months. I mean, it took me weeks yeah, totally, to write. Totally. So that's why uh, most stuff is not behind a paywall. I just put it up there because I can't do this for free forever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, um, so so that that's a really good article. Awesome, man. In my good. opinion. So anyway, um, the science behind the mainstream treatments is terrible. A lot of the time you can get a cancer treatment approved on the basis that it shrinks a tumor without proving that it increases someone's length of life or their quality of life. So if you can say this treatment shrinks a tumor, you can get it approved by the FDA. But imagine that person has six months to live. You shrink the tumor and then it grows back really fast three months later. They still have six months to live. All you did was shrink the tumor. And you also subjected them to poisonous drugs. You made your life worse, not better. So that's how bad the science is and the regulatory system is in mainstream cancer treatment. Most people that I know that I've talked to, and this is going to piss off, you know, people on high fat diets who have reversed cancer, have done it through lots of juicing, pancreatic enzymes, um, coffee most of them vegan diet that does not work for everyone also pancreatic enzymes are not necessarily vegan they are the best type is actually an animal product you get it from the you actually get the pancreas of an animal full Mm. of pancreas and so that's not that's that part of the protocol is not vegan i'm just reporting what i've seen and what i've learned some people do not, and this is going to piss off the vegans, some people absolutely do not do well on that regime and need red meat. They would be the minority. Um, however, it does happen. And uh, sometimes, and that's why it's not one fat size fits all. Yeah. It depends on your body. It depends on your genetics. It depends on, you know, um if your if your body does not produce cholesterol, then you need exogenous cholesterol. I'm a vegetarian. I, I'm not. I'm non-ideological. Okay. 
uh, I've taken a collagen supplement that comes from cows. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I th- so I, it has opened my mind writing the book because I've seen that some people, like, as I said, I know people who cured colitis. They were told they were incurable, Crohn's disease. Almost all of them did it through juicing, predominantly eating fruits and vegetables, plant-based diet. But -hmm. I also know someone who almost had to have her colon removed and she was vegan for 10 years and she did, and she didn't, and she went on carnivore diet and now she doesn't have to have her colon removed. So it does happen, but it's, uh, so, so that, that forced me to become more open-minded. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's really good information, man. That's Mm -hmm. really, really good Mm -hmm. stuff. And you guys, man. So as you can see, Anthony's just cranking out all kinds of great Mm -hmm. content. Uh, make sure you go subscribe and Substack, and please go support him. You know, obviously he's doing amazing work. Um, you know, whether it's here or the yeah. don- donation on the Seven Big Pharma, make sure you get the ebook. Go read the ebook. Yeah, definitely. And if yeah. you if you um, contribute, if you if you download the ebook, I will automatically subscribe you on Substack. Okay, there you go. I, yeah. I, um, so those both work the same way. Um, and if you contribute, you know uh, uh, enough for the ebook, I'll also give you a guess. I'll give you a subscription on Substack, just just at the same rate. Sure. You know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. You, you know, so yeah. if you if you give me sixty or hundred bucks, you know, if you're if you're feeling plush, I'll give you I'll give you um, a subscription. You know, to the, great. You know. Yeah, totally, man. That's awesome. And then, of course, um, so terrainscience.com. Tell us about a little bit real quick about terrainscience.com. Yeah, that's a, um, a site that I collaborated on to bring, to try and bring people together. Like Dave and Don Lester gave me permission to put all their articles up there. But nice. um, I I am a little bit slow and I, and I had some. Yeah, you can click. You can click that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, David whoa, Lester. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Don and David. Yeah, oh, I thought I thought we had more of them up there than that. I think it's because I restored it from a backup, so I lost, right. uh, so I lost quite a few articles. There's my boy Patrick. Look at him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He, he's put a couple up. <laughs> and um, yeah, and and that's it. Also, if anyone wants to, if anyone wants to help with that website, then by all means get in touch. I could always oh. use another person to put up content. But don't get in touch if you're going to say, yeah, I'm going to help. And then you're going to do two or three days and then get bored of it. Yeah. Only like if you're dedicated. We're all volunteers. I've lost money on that site sure. because someone needs to pay for web hosting. Yeah. But I don't care because I yeah. feel like this is an uh, important and worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, man. That's that's how we roll. That same thing with podcasting. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't make any money doing this. I just love doing it, you know, and it's important. So it's great. Um, so awesome. So all you guys, all the links are below in the episode description. Um, oh yeah, just one more thing. Yeah, if I didn't yell at you too much, no, uh, it's great, man. It's been a great. You, you mentioned uh, Scott mentioned at the beginning that I'm a counselor, a psychotherapist. Yeah, there you go. If you go to beyourselfandloveit.com, if you want a counselor that is like a freedom lover like you and understands you, then um, you might want to book me. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was I was not able to take that many people on while I was traveling because I was too busy with this stuff. But now that I'm back in Scotland. Um, I've started to work more. Okay, yeah. cool. I'll, I'll add these in. So look at that. Escape the matrix. So name me another psychotherapist out there that's helping you escape the matrix guys. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. And, and you know, you might get some health advice along the way. So man, thank you so much. This is fantastic. I'll get these uh, links added to the episode description. 
Um, I really appreciate you coming on. So glad we finally connected. Um, keep me posted. Uh, like, especially if the book comes out, we'll have you back on to talk about it and anything, anything else you need from me, if you want to come back on chat about whatever open door. So. Yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. You were such a gracious host. I did a lot. I did a lot of talking with not a lot of breathing. Hey, that's what I love. That's what I love. So thank you for making my job easy today. So there you go. Yes, you were such a gracious host and thank you everyone for listening to the end. Awesome. All right. Thanks guys. We'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace.